Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, and I am your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'll tell you what, folks, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to dive into as it relates to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but not just the Pittsburgh Steelers, also the AFC North. There's that ugly purple team in Baltimore. There's some news. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on there. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some other news and reports all related to the black and gold. And you know what happens in the second half of every Wednesday podcast. That is the mailbag segment. The ride or die crew, you always know what to do. You've always come through, and you did again this week. A lot of questions. I'm going to have a lot of answers for you. Let's get started with that news, shall we? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson came out, and he said on Monday, this was probably about mid-morning, it was perfect timing. And you cannot say that this is not orchestrated in any way, based on the fact that Lamar Jackson waits until the NFL coaches meeting is getting ready to begin. That's when the media gets to talk to the coaches. And John Harbaugh is getting ready to sit down at the table. And boom, Lamar Jackson puts out a tweet saying that I requested a trade. Thank Baltimore for all they've done, but I want out. Man, what a move. What a move. Then John Harbaugh is a veteran. He's a pro. He's someone just like, uh, you know, he's obviously just like uh, Mike Tomlin where they can talk you in circles, and he talked talked his way out of all of it. But that's a situation right now that is getting real dicey in Baltimore, really, really dicey. Keep your eyes on this. I'm not ruling out that Lamar Jackson returns because I think he can. I think he might. Uh, The Ravens are going to have to figure out a way to pay him what he feels he earns or is worth. And then on top of that, you have a situation where, man, Lamar Jackson could also just pull Le'Veon Bell and not even show up. He could just not even play. Just sit out the year and say, look, I'm, screw you guys. Like, you, you can do what you want with my cap space, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not showing up. He could do that. He could do that because he hasn't signed his, his franchise tag tender yet or anything like that. So this is going to be really interesting, and I know Steeler fans are definitely – They're keeping their ears out and seeing what's going on for sure. Now, the Steelers also, it did. this is going to be a perfect segue into the topic of discussion in the first half of the show. The Steelers' Omar Khan, general manager, he spoke to the media, and they asked him, like, about Terrell Edmonds. Like, hey, well, what's the deal? I mean, Terrell Edmonds signed with the Philadelphia Eagles for cheaper than what he played last year? And last year, that one-year deal was viewed as not just team-friendly, but unbelievably cheap. Really? Omar Khan said they did offer offer Terrell Edmonds a, a deal, and he turned it down, said he wanted to go elsewhere. And this is what I said on Monday when I had Brandon Lee Gouton on, talking about this situation and all the connections between the Steelers and the Eagles. If you missed that, go back and check it out. I told him this whole thing, when the financials came out about Terrell Edmonds' new contract with the Philadelphia Eagles was either Edmonds wanted out or the Steelers didn't want him anymore. Sounds like in this respect, Edmonds wanted out. He wanted to start fresh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he saw that the Steelers weren't going to utilize him as an every down safety anymore. And he looked at the Eagles and saw that the player that he's going to be filling in for, and this is something Brandon talked about on Monday was an every down guy. 
So maybe that's what it was. Maybe that the Steelers, he looked at the way that the defense was trending, that they were going to start using more sub packages, taking him off the field, and he didn't want any part of that. I don't know. I don't know. Very interesting, though. But the reason why it's a perfect segue is I was listening to, on my way to work, Mike Tomlin spoke with the media at the, the owners' meetings, and obviously Omar Khan, as I just mentioned, he spoke there as well. I want fans to realize you can't, don't go all in on this Steelers offseason talk. So many people do this. I'm not saying don't read about it. I'm not saying don't write about it. I'm not saying don't tweet about it. I'm saying don't commit all in to some of the stuff that's coming out of these league meetings. Don't go all in and start reading into some of the things that are being said by Mike Tomlin and by others. And there's a lot of reasons why. I get why it happens, especially in Pittsburgh. Most people don't know this, but Mike Tomlin is one of very, a very short list of NFL head coaches who do not speak at the NFL scouting combine. Last I checked, it was just Tomlin and Belichick were the only two head coaches that didn't speak at the scouting combine. And he never has. If he did, it was early in his career. But he hasn't done this as long as I can remember. Omar Khan speaks at the Combine. So that means that essentially the media gets to ask Mike Tomlin all those questions at the very end of the season, his end-of-the-season press conference. And then they don't get a chance to pepper him with questions until these league owners' meetings. That's the next time. Now, he won't talk again until right before the NFL draft when he and Omar Khan will sit down and they'll have a press conference. And then after the draft, they'll have another press conference. And then you won't hear from Tomlin until probably mandatory minicamp. That's it. The dude is, he's a busy guy. I'm not here to say that he owes us, the fans, anything. But the one thing you have to understand is when the media got their chance to finally ask the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers something. They didn't hold back. And he, he had a lot of questions about last season and he eventually it should, it should be noted that he, he's not a fan of Brooke Pryor of ESPN. She asked a question. He goes, can we please stop talking about last year? We're in March already. We kind of, let's move on. And so this was a typical Tomlin Q&A. If you didn't listen to it, you can go back and you can check it out on Steelers.com. You can also take a look at everything on the, uh, I believe it's on their YouTube page. They've, they, it's everywhere. Everywhere the Steelers are, you could probably find either bits and pieces of it or the actual interview itself. But it was a typical Tomlin Q&A. He answered every question, yet said absolutely nothing. It really is a work of art. I mean, when you, when you listen to Mike Tomlin, the guy can just talk his way out of anything. I wonder if he's always been like that. I wonder if he was like that as a child, like being able to talk his way out of getting in trouble from a parent or something like that. Or maybe in his college years, if he got, uh, if he was being questioned about something, he was able to talk his way out. I don't know, but he's mastered it now as an adult, and it really is a work of art. He talked about everything, everything that you could think of that he would talk about during this offseason. We're talking about new free agents, free agents the Steelers lost, coaches that have been added, coaches that have been lost. Omar Khan is the general manager. What Omar Khan likes to eat, uh, draft the the upcoming draft, individual pro days. Uh, he talked about Kenny Pickett's leadership. He talked about Deontay Johnson's leadership. I could go on. You understand where I'm going with this. He talked about so much stuff. Now, remember, I didn't say don't believe anything that Mike Tomlin said. That's not what I said. I said don't go all in 
on this offseason talk. Because some of the stuff that Mike Tomlin says was on point, and I thought it was very poignant. Now, Omar Khan, I listened to his interview. Now, outside of the Terrell Edmonds news, Omar Khan, this guy doesn't give you anything. And this is something that Jim Wexel from the Steel City Insider podcast, which makes sure you check that out today, Wednesday at 12. He's got another really good episode. You, want, you don't want to miss it. He even said that Omar Khan's just not giving him anything. He's asking Omar Khan, and Omar Khan's giving him those very bland, uniform answers. He's not tipping his hand at all. And Jim has talked about how Kevin Colbert, will he would kind of leave some breadcrumbs as for what they're doing. Not with Omar. And I agree with Jim. You listen to Omar Khan, he's not giving you much. Mike Tomlin, though, he will answer questions. You just have to know what to kind of take away from it and what that he's what what those answers that he's essentially just kind of getting around it. He's not answering it, he's just getting around it. So what I decided to do is I, I bullet pointed some things that you can take away from Mike Tomlin speaking to the media and what you could actually believe from this. So first thing that came to mind was they asked him about Patrick Peterson and Patrick Peterson potentially playing multiple positions. Mike Tomlin said that he's already spoken to Patrick Peterson about doing just that, not just playing the slot, but playing on the outside corner, maybe even playing some safety. He said that Patrick Peterson was very much on board with that thought process. That's something of note. That is something that you can actually kind of cling to. Now, he also talked about Kenny Pickett's leadership. And he said that he was impressed with his leadership as a rookie. He's been really happy with what he's doing in the offseason. We know that earlier in the month, he had everyone down in Florida. Mitch Trubisky was there. A lot of receivers were there. Pass catchers were there. And they were working out. He said this is part of the process. He was happy that he did that. He's He loves where they're going. And, yeah, that's an important part of this process. Now, something else that Mike Tomlin said was about Larry Ogunjobi. And he was asked, have fans seen the best of Larry Ogunjobi? And his answer was, I don't think they have. In other words, that last season, Larry Ogunjobi was injured so much. I mean, if you remember, the dude was on the injury report every day of every week. And if he wasn't, I don't remember which week it was. But I swear, every single time we did a Steelers preview podcast, myself, Brian Davis, and Dave Schofield, we would go over the injury report, and it would be the same thing every week. Oh, Larry Ogunjobi's on with a foot. Or Larry Ogunjobi with a knee. Larry Ogunjobi with a back. The dude was banged up. He was banged up, but he. Mike Tomlin said that he believes that Larry Ogunjobi's best football is still ahead of him, that he's going to be getting healthy, and that's important. He was also asked about the safety position. You know, he's asked about... What are you going to do with Terrell Edmonds gone? How are you going to address this? He said, look, free agency's not over. There's still valuable free agents out there, and there's also the NFL draft. He said that they are not going to pigeonhole themselves into going one way or the other, that they very well could dip their toes into both pools, meaning maybe they sign a free agent safety, and maybe they draft one, or maybe they only do one or the other. Mike Tomlin did acknowledge the fact that they are thin at the safety position, and they do plan on actually adding to that room next the inside linebacker position them talk about an overhaul i mean you, you bring in two brand new players in landon roberts cole holcomb you even bring in a new coach aaron curry he talked about that and you have all this turnover at the inside linebacker position he said we want players that are competitive 
He talked about their leadership. He talked about their veteran presence on the field. And he talked about having almost a coach on the field with these players, and that's going to be really, really important. So that was that, that was really important for him. He talked about the camp battle maybe of that third linebacker. Is it Mark Robinson? Is it someone else? We'll see. Did He did leave some breadcrumbs there. The last thing I, of note from Mike Tomlin is that the offensive line competition. The Steelers added so many offensive linemen. You know, they're talking about the, you're adding big Nate Herbig, nasty Nate. You're adding Isaac Samalo. You're adding um, uh, Raven Clark. There it is. I think that's his name. Uh, the tackle. And so now all of a sudden you're seeing all this competition, and you're you're not even mentioning Kevin Dotson is still on the roster, and the tackles of Dan Moore and, and Chuk Sikorafor, and you're seeing this thing being kind of reconstructed from the inside out. And the draft hasn't even happened yet. And Mike Tomlin said that he is building this offensive line for competition. He wants these players to work their tail off to figure out who is the top five. Who's going to make it? And I I think this is only going to benefit the team. It's only going to benefit the offense. It's only going to benefit the running game. And it's going to benefit the second-year quarterback who is hoping that he has, everyone's been calling it this, the picket fence keeping him safe in the front. So Mike Tomlin, he said a lot, and there's a lot of stuff that you can just kind of brush aside. That's just coach being coach. But he did give fans something. The one thing you have to understand is you can't go all in on all this stuff. You can't go all in, and he even mentioned this. You can't go all in on which pro days they went to. He talked about how Sometimes it's a scheduling conflict. For instance, he's in, I think it's in Phoenix, as the coaches' meetings are in Phoenix, Arizona this year. He obviously can't go to any pro days during that time, and Omar Khan's there as well, so they have other scouts there. Everyone made a big deal about Mike Tomlin not being at Penn State's pro day to see Joey Porter Jr. Sometimes scheduling conflicts happen, and I'm pretty sure that if Mike Tomlin needs to know anything about Joey Porter Jr., he could probably pick up the phone and talk to his father or his son, and get the answers that he needs. The dude knows Joey Porter Jr. I don't think that, if anything, I think that's a situation that's very much like Kenny Pickett last year, where Kenny Pickett said they didn't really they didn't really do a lot with the Steelers because the Steelers knew him really well. They didn't have to. So it could be one of those situations based on the fact that he does have that, that connection with the Porter family. So just don't go all in on this offseason talk. Okay, be able to kind of read the tea leaves here and see the forest through the woods, so to speak. Really important as the fans because Mike Tomlin said a lot. It's easy to get caught up in that. I get it. But at the same time, you got to be able to decipher what's just being out there and what is actual fact. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. You're going to hear a word from our sponsors. When I come back, we're going to talk about the mailbag. Be right back. Stay tuned. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back. Second half of the Wednesday podcast, which means it's time for the mailbag. I put this tweet out. I made a mistake. And and not only did I make a mistake, but people on Twitter, some people were just freaking relentlessly stupid. I, I put out the tweet, and then shortly after that, I found a video 
just popped up on my feed was interesting. I just quote tweeted it. I didn't share the tweet video or anything like that. And it was all of Kenny Pickett's interceptions from 2022. And the guy, not me, said, like, who's to blame in these interceptions? I don't know why, but there's been like 50 comments on it. Some people are coming at me like I'm, I did the video. I, I don't know if they don't understand how Twitter works. People are just so angry. Like, calm yourself down, people. Like, geez, it, it was, I literally said in the quote tweet, thoughts, Steeler fans, question mark. Like, that's it. I didn't say, I think Kenny Pickett's perfect. It's, it's unbelievable. So, anyways, we ended up with about 14 or 15 questions, which is plenty. We're going to get through all these. I'm excited. Every Tuesday, put out the tweet. Make sure you're checking it out. Let's get this started with Brandon Diaz. He said, hey, I'm back for the mailbag segment. He has four questions. Number one, Sir Hartman, what was your favorite game of 2022? That's a, you know, if they would have won the Jets game in week four, it probably would have been that one. Kenny Pickett coming in halftime, leading him to victory. They didn't. So I'm going to have to go with. I got to go with the Ravens. I got to go beating the Ravens in Baltimore. That was such a big game. Clutch moments across the board. Uh, that uh, second place would definitely be the uh, Raiders game on Christmas Eve. Number two, what game are you looking forward to the most in 2023? Hmm, that's that's a good one. I haven't really thought about the, the opponents so much. I just love the division games. I really do. I always look at the division games and where they are. I, I just love the AFC North ball. Good stuff. Number three, will Omar Khan trade the 17th pick to move up? No, I don't think he will move up. I think that he will, if anything, move back. I, I don't think he'll move up. He'll move back. And number four, favorite and least favorite signing for us this free agent so far. I'm going to go with my favorite signing. Ah. Uh, it's a toss-up between Sayamalo and Patrick Peterson. My least favorite signing so far is probably LaRaven Clark because he's just a backup swing tackle. So good questions, though, Brandon. Thank you. Tyler asks, hey, Jeff, what has been your favorite offseason addition so far? What are your expectations for that as well as the overall outlook for the 2023 Steelers? I myself have really high expectations for the team. Okay, well, Tyler, I kind of answered the first one already, but it's you know, if it's between Peterson and Sayamalo is my favorite offseason addition so far. My expectations, you know, that this is something that I, I could have brought up in the news. A lot of these sports books uh, have, have been put out their future lines, meaning their over-under on win totals. Steelers line, for the most part, is set at 8.5. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over because Mike Tomlin, he doesn't suffer losing seasons. At least he hasn't since he's been the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to take the over because I'm confident the team is at a floor, meaning the worst. I think they win nine games at the very worst. At the most, I think they could win upwards of 12. So if you're talking about a ceiling and a floor, that's where I am. So there is some of your expectations, Tyler. I have high expectations as well. They, You listened last week. I'm a little down on the defense, but they can make some changes. Sad Underwood said two questions. Do you think the Steelers should take a wide receiver with one of their first-round picks? Well, they only have one first-round pick, and I'm going to say no. They have more pressing needs than wide receiver. Number two, where do you think Kenny Pickett finishes the season stat-wise, yards, touchdowns, interceptions on a run-heavy Steelers team? So I would say that the yards will probably be around – 3,000 in, in that instance. Touchdowns, I think you would probably be looking at. I'd love to see him be like 14 touchdowns to six interceptions. I think that's a really, on a run heavy team, which is what you said, that's where I would go. So that, 
I'm just tossing these off the top of my head. Haven't really thought much about it. Good questions, though. Joshua Petrick says, Najee Harris stat prediction. I think he goes over 1,000 rushing, and I think that he also cashes in probably about 300 receiving, 1,300 total yards. Um, I I think he's going to have a very productive season, especially when you see what they're doing with the offensive line. Also, Ben did give props to Dan Moore on his last podcast. Maybe it's the fan in me, but I really want him to succeed. Plus, it would let us use a high pick on another position. Mike Tomlin was asked about the offensive tackles, and he said, I'm, how did he word it? I'm not comfortable, but I'm pleased, or something along those lines. He doesn't seek comfort. We know that. So I think Mike Tomlin is taking an approach of, with this upcoming draft, if someone, I don't see this ever happening, but Paris Johnson Jr. falls to 17, I think the Steelers make that pick. He's that type of player. However, if the, the, the big-name tackles are gone, Broderick Jones, uh, if, if they're all gone, then I think Mike Tomlin says, I we don't need a tackle right now. We'll wait, and we'll find another position. It's a luxury at this point. I, I, that's where I feel, and I think that's where Mike Tomlin feels. So there you go. And I hope Dan Moore does succeed. I hope he proves everyone wrong because then that means the Steelers have a good tackle. That's, that's my MO here. Dr. Anthony said, hey, Jeff, first, love the Monday morning conversations with other teams, reporters. Hope to keep getting more of those. I plan on doing that. I'm going to be reaching out to some people here in the coming days for next week. Question, what three things are you looking for in Kenny Pickett this year to show he's made significant growth in year two? That's a great question. Three things. Number one is pocket presence. I I love the fact that he's mobile. I don't want him relying on the mobility. I want him to be able to manipulate the pocket step up into the pocket, and deliver the ball down the field. Number two, maybe not so much just a Kenny Pickett thing, more of an offensive thing. I'd love to see them use more play action. they got to establish the run, but even if you don't establish the run, the data shows, I think Dave Schofield did a great Stat Geek podcast on how even the teams that don't run the ball well, they still do have success with play action passes. And the third one is I want to see them utilize Kenny Pickett's mobility more by design. And that doesn't mean that you get him killed. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there that can manipulate running plays without getting killed. Uh, They did it with Ryan Tannehill when he was in Miami. They did it with him in Tennessee. I think that's a very good comp when you're talking about mobile quarterbacks. I, I think that if he can develop as a pocket passer, Utilize the play action, deliver the ball accurately down the field. And then lastly, utilize his athleticism. I would be really, really happy with his growth in year two. Corey Eckenroth, he asked a couple questions. Jeff, how many hole-in-ones do you have? Okay, (laughs) my 11-year-old son, this makes me want to puke. My 11-year-old son, Elijah, just went to his first golf lesson last Thursday. No driving range experience, just occasional putt-putt. And on his third full hole ever, smacked home an ace. That makes me want to vomit. I've been golfing for, I'd say I started when I was probably seven or eight years old. I'm 40 now. I'm a man. And um, yeah, I've never, I don't have one. I don't have one. I, I golfed on Sunday. I posted a video on Twitter just because I thought it'd be fun to see. I talk about golf all the time to kind of prove like I actually do golf. I'm not a bad golfer. Hit a beautiful drive. I, there's a par three, about 166 yards, winds in our face. I hit a nice smooth six iron. Drew it in there nice, go up. I knew it was close, and it was probably only about two feet from the hole, but you see where the ball mark was. It actually landed behind the hole, and then I moved it backwards. I had some spin on it. That thing must have gone right around the lip. I mean, right around the lip. 
I'm so I've been so close in my life, but never had one. And here's your son. Never even hit a golf ball, and he gets one. Hey, it's not the first time I've heard those stories. My dad has two. My brother has one. I'm the only one in the family that doesn't have one. It is starting to piss me off a little bit, to be honest. Good, hey, good, good, good for your son, though. That's awesome. Corey also asked Tannenbaum's mock draft that she tweeted yesterday. Had the Steelers pass up Jalen Carter for for Witherspoon? Would you make the same mistake? Yeah, so the Carter, man, they, they, I was shocked too. He did, he went to Detroit after the Steelers, and I, I think it all depends on how they view Carter and, and stuff going on, and I don't know. That was just, it was weird, that mock draft. You know, everyone always says, you listen to the Steelers fix on Tuesday at noon. They had a great a great first half where they really diagnose and, and really dissect Andrew Wilbar's latest mock draft, and he and Jeremy Betts, are, they know so much that they're just going back and forth about what they think. And there's always runs. That's what people often forget when they look, look at mock drafts. So in this Tannenbaum mock draft that you're referencing, there was a run on tackles early. So quarterback run, we know that's going to be first. But after that, some people have predicted a cornerback run. This did not happen. It was an offensive tackle run that eventually pushed a lot of talent back. That kind of crap can happen in a draft, so keep that in mind. All right. Heath Davis asked several. El Jefe, I'm proud of you. I don't know the last time you heard that, but felt like you deserved it. Proud of the other SCN boys, too. Thanks, Heath. I appreciate it, man. I'm proud of the guys, too. I'm really proud of of, of the, the whole steel curtain network team that has stuck together throughout all this crap the last month and two months almost. Yeah, whatever. Anyways. And the, the fans first sports network is going to be freaking fantastic. And we're not done. Like we're not done in so many ways. I, I can't even say right now, but that thank you. I'm thank you for being proud of us and me. I appreciate it. He said, question one with Edmonds gone. Do you think the Steelers target a safety in the draft? I think they do. The question is which one? And I'm going to reference again the Steelers Fix podcast, uh, and they, they talked about that a lot. Go check that out. Heath also asked, in Dungeons & Dragons, oh gosh, here we go. Um, in Dungeons & Dragons, every character has a score of about 20 for these attributes, strength, constitution, dexterity, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. If you had to rank Mike Tomlin as a D&D character, what would his score out of 20 be in those categories? Okay, this is way out of my league. I am not. I'm the, I'm the least Dungeons and Dragons guy you've ever met. So strength, he's not that strong at his age, so that's low. Constant, uh, I'll give him fifteen. There you go. Thanks for the question. <laughs> Sorry, I just don't know much about it. RJ asks if Tomlin talks to P two about changing positions. He's talking about Patrick Peterson. I'd guess he's the third safety, and we would be. And they would go cornerback first in the draft. I'd be okay with Patrick Peterson either way. One of the smartest players in the game today. What's your thoughts? I'm going to reference again, and you all have to understand, I listen to all of our podcasts. I learn from, from all of our podcasts, whether it's learning draft player, players coming into the draft, whether it's I'm going to reference Jeffrey Benedict, who talked about how the Steelers cannot rely on Minka Fitzpatrick being the strong safety because he's not good at it. So unless Patrick Peterson can play that role, they still have to figure that out. So Patrick Peterson might shift into a safety spot in certain down and distances and in certain sub packages, but they're going to have to find someone that can play in the box. If it's Miles Killebrew, maybe. If it's outside, still want to see who that is. 
if Patrick Peterson is able and willing to move around, I think that's awesome. I think it's utilize him. Utilize him as much as you can. Doc M or Southside Doc says, what remaining pitfalls must the Steelers avoid this offseason? Well, the, the biggest pitfall every year is you got to avoid the suspension. You don't want those players. I, I remember having to write articles about Martavis Bryant, reports that he was in trouble and got busted for drugs and all this stuff. And you just waited, and then all of a sudden, boom, there it came. Suspended for four games, six games, whatever. You just have to avoid. That's the biggest pitfall. Avoid off-field stuff. The second pitfall is you just cannot, and this is tough to predict, and you don't know this right away, but you can have these free agent additions that are swing and, miss, swing and misses, whether it's due to injury, whether it's due to scheme. You also can't have it in the draft either, not when you have limited draft stock, which they do. So you got to make sure you can't have that pitfall either. And I think if they can avoid those two things, they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. Last question from Nathan Vance, like, hey, Jeff, with the departure of Terrell Edmonds, do you think the Steelers would pull the trigger and draft a safety in the first round? I don't know. You know, I've asked this question to a lot of people. I've asked this question to, you know, Jeremy Betts on my Friday, the All Bets Are Off segment. I've asked this question to a number of people, and they all say the same thing. It's not a deep safety class, and there's also not a lot of elite safeties. You think about Kyle Hamilton last year. He was that elite guy. There's really not one of those. And Brian Branch is, is a name that gets brought up a lot. I don't know if he's a pick at 17, maybe at 32. You just have to see how it goes. I'm learning about these players as we go, so I'll be more attuned to that as we get closer to the NFL draft. All right, folks, that does it for me. Great mailbag. Thank you all for contributing. And be on the lookout for Friday's show. I'm pretty sure Jeremy's going to be on with me on the All Bets Are Off segment. Going to have a lot to talk about as well. Uh, you want to check that out as well as all of our content on the Steel Curtain Network coming up at noon is Jim Wexel's podcast, The Steel City Insider with Jeremy Ritz. Make sure you check that out. There's good stuff. Always, always good stuff. And make sure you check out all of our content right here on the Steel Curtain Network, everywhere where you find your podcasts. And we'll be hearing more about that in Fans First Sports Network as we move into the month of April. That does it for me, folks. You know how we finish it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. I'll see you on Friday. Go Steelers.